So, man, researching this stuff tonight mm-hmm. that we're doing tonight, I, I, I use that Chromebook right. on everything, and I use it for work now, too. So I'm touching this thing every day. Right. It has zero problems. I have no issues with it, because if it, if it had issues, I wouldn't use it. Sure. As soon as I started researching this stuff, it started doing this weird thing where if I look away from the screen or if I am not messing with it for just a few minutes, all my browser windows close. Really? So if I have browser windows open with this topic right. and, I'm, and I'm, you know, and I'll do that because I'll cross reference stuff and I'm going to different. Th- oh, what, what, what's that? And so I may have six or seven windows open at the same time. Sure. Looking back and forth all about the same topic. That's nothing new. And it's never done this. Right. Except for this topic. Well, it doesn't want you researching it, but something about it. It's yeah. weird. It, and I just, I, it happened to me twice, before, you know, uh, within a few hours of coming here, I was looking up some stuff and it happened twice. And I was like, well, despite what is going on, now, despite what they want, <laughs> we are going to do this episode. So let's get into it. Three, two, one. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the graveyard. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Adam. And my name's Matt. Now, pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is Graveyard Tales. <laughs> hello, hello, here we are again. Matt, how you doing tonight? I'm sick as a dog. Yeah. <laughs> you are. But mm. I'm here. Yeah, like uh, in Graveyard Tales tradition, you are trudging on through. Look, I'm coming in like the living dead. Yeah, pretty much. He looks like it. We, uh, we will have uh, breaks for uh matt to drink his it's kind of like hot tea coffee break but cough c-o-u-g-h yeah, coughing coffee. break <laughs> <laughs> so uh we wanted to go ahead and tell y'all real quick up at the top that we now have a p.o box um i'm gonna put a p.o box in the show notes and we'll get it on our website so if y'all want to send us some cool stuff you're more than welcome to uh send us some snail mail have at it we may we may have to make a list of stuff we don't want you to send us. Right, I, I have seen this in the group. Yeah, I'm afraid to do that though because <laughs> as soon as we do, that's what they'll send. Right. So I'm not going to list any items. No, no. but uh, you you may get some stuff back. I was about to say, <laughs> like I said in the group, I have no problem paying return shipping for some things. So. Also, um, we are recording some more Patreon episodes tonight and next week, so there'll be some more of those on the way. Probably one up before you even see this. That's right. Um, So, speaking of being out of time, um, this will kind of tell y'all when we recorded this, um, but we wanted to say, rest in peace, Stan Lee. Stan Lee passed away today at 95 years old. Yeah, I was just having a conversation. Um, I I was telling Adam last week that I watched... uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, mm-hmm. and, you know, he shows up in that, too. Right. So, yeah, he'll be uh, he'll be sorely missed, and I know all these comic book fans, and, and myself, I grew up, Spider-Man was my guy. Sure. So, yeah, yep. it's, it's, it's sad. But. It is sad, but, you know, he uh, maybe he will show up in EVPs. He's not a stranger from the camera or the recorder, so right. maybe he will show up. Um, but on that note, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hey, Matt, do you know who our sponsor is this week? Who's that? It's Robin Hood. And no, not that Robin Hood. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Because Robin Hood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos, all commission free. And they strive to make financial services work for everyone, not just those with a lot of money. Exactly. And I have historically stayed away from investing because I feel intimidated by all the options, the lingo, and everything. But Robinhood is a non-intimidating way for stock market newcomers to invest for the first time. 
I was able to get signed up and start investing in literal minutes. No exaggeration. Just enter some information and you're up and running. You know, one great thing is Robinhood has no commission fees. Did you know other brokerage companies charge up to $10 for every trade? But with Robinhood, you get to keep all your profits. And it has super easy to understand charts and market data. You can place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. And you can learn how to invest as you build your portfolio. And Robinhood is giving Graveyard listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. So sign up at graveyard.robinhood.com. Again, that's graveyard.robinhood.com. All right, so we want to direct y'all to a podcast that we think you'll want to check out, The Confessionals. It's a true story-based podcast where host Tony Merkel interviews guests about strange and unexplained experiences, including paranormal, supernatural, UFO, and cryptid encounters. And I'm very impressed with his professionalism. Yeah. And a new episode comes out every Tuesday. So go over to their website, www.theconfessionalspodcast.com. They're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The Confessionals is available on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Alexa, and just about any of your other podcast players. They have over 90 episodes available for download so go over and give those guys a listen exactly and some of the previous interviews include wes germer of sasquatch chronicles authors la marzuli and gary wayne 9-11 whistleblower susan lindauer alien abductee tony rodriguez and a guy that we've talked about john edmonds the alien slayer of stardust ranch so go over and check them out all right, Matt. So what are we talking about tonight? Okay. So tonight we are going to be discussing Dibix and the boxes in which they dwell. Exactly. <laughs> so I, you know, I didn't realize I knew when we talked about doing this, um, what the Dibic box was. Right. But. I guess I was always under the impression that this was something that had been around for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And as we got to researching this, we found out that that term Dybbuk box hasn't been around all that long. Right. But the Dybbuk has been around a really long time. Right. So we're going to go over, you know, what they are, why they are. And how the heck did they get in this box? Exactly. <laughs> so let's talk about uh, what a Dybbuk is. Now, in, in Jewish mythology, a Dybbuk is a malicious possessing spirit believed to be the dis- dislocated soul of a dead person. It supposedly leaves the host body once it has accomplished its goal, sometimes after being helped or exercised. Now, in Jewish Kabbalah, which is sometimes referred to as Jewish mysticism. Scholars study the relationship between the infinite God and the finite mortal world that he created. Now, in this study, the concept of demons and ghosts and dibbics arise, but the delineation between all of them is really not that clear. So possession by a dibbic is thought to occur when one soul becomes stuck to another soul. Mm-hmm. And as in the case with demonic possession, it must be helped or exercised. And, right. you know, th- those words are used interchangeably when we're talking about, you know, uh, a Jewish rabbi performing this exorcism. And I say that with air quotes on a person that has been possessed by a dibbit. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit different than what you think. Um, but all of that makes it really difficult to say, is a Dybbuk a demon? Is it a type of demon? Is, are there demons involved? Is it a ghost? Is it a spirit? It, it It's a real gray area, but hopefully Adam's going to be able to clear some of that up for us. Well, we hope. 
uh. Mate, see, I'm, I'm throwing to see. You could see the bus coming. <laughs> <laughs> you do. Yeah. I'm fixing to throw Adam under this bus that he's going to explain everything. Yeah. He, Adam's going to clear all this up. <laughs> uh, maybe. Um, so let, let's get into a little bit of this here. So uh, a Dybbuk, supposedly, some say, is a, a spirit that escaped from Gehenna, which is roughly the equivalent to Jewish purgatory, um, while others say that Dybbuk's were flat out rejected from entering Gehenna for committing serious offenses. So the name Dybbuk, it comes from the Hebrew root Dybk, D-Y-B-K, and I'm sure I mispronounce that like I do everything. Um, but this means to cleave or to cling. So this kind of describes how this wandering, sometimes malevolent soul will cleave to an individual that it possesses. So yeah. it, it, it's a very descriptive word. You know, it, I mean, it, it states exactly what it is. Um, and you'll hear me refer to Dybbuk or Dybbukum, and Dybbukum is the plural. So if you hear that, that's multiple. Multiple Dybbuks. Right. And instead of saying Dybbuks, it's Dybbukum. Um, Stage four clinger. Yep. Dybbuk sixes. Um, it just keeps all the S's out of it. Um, now, the term Dybbuk first appears in several 16th century writings, but it was pretty much ignored by mainstream scholarship up until the early 1900s, late 1800s, when S. Ansky's play, The Dybbuk, popularized the concept in literary circles. And early accounts of possession, and you know, as Matt was saying, such as that given by Josephus from the Bible, were of demonic possession rather than by ghost. They just didn't associate you know, ghost as being able to possess someone, or if they made that association, they didn't write about it. Um, and these accounts really advocated orthodoxy among the populace as kind of a preventative measure. So do this and it'll keep you from, you know, becoming possessed. Um, stories about Dibicum are common in the time of the Second Temple and the Talmudic periods, um, particularly in the Gospels. They're not as prominent in medieval literature. So at first, the Dybbuk was, again, considered to be a devil or a demon which entered the body of a sick person. So like Matt was saying, you know, it, it was it, there's a fine line there, and they they really thought, at the time that it was just a demon. You're getting possessed by a demon in the very beginning. Um, later, an explanation that was common among other people was added that some Dibicum are the spirits of dead people who were not laid to rest, so then they became demons. So maybe not what you would uh, originally associate a demon as. Yeah you know, originating from hell. This is one that became because they weren't laid to rest properly. Yeah, yeah. So it clear as mud, right? Right, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I it, wasn't a demon, but now I am. But now I am. Yeah. I mean, twist and turns when you start talking about this stuff. It it's hard to uh hard to call down into Yeah. And, and you know, when you look into into Kabbalah, it it really doesn't well, for one, it it's it's way above my head, you know. I mm -hmm. mean, and and it's not easy to understand for most people anyway. Well, and not something we can understand in a couple weeks of research. Oh no, you know, not even you, close. You I mean, gotta I, I'm, spend I'm talking your about life. like reading like a few, you know, a few passages from you know these scholars that have you know spent their whole life. Mm -hmm. You know, I, you're not, I'm not trying to understand it. I'm trying to understand you telling me about it. Right. And I don't. Right. But I, I do know this. It, it, there are more than just angels and demons, you know, this is, you know, and, and there's more than just, well, this is a demon and this is not, 
you know. So right. that's why I said at the beginning, and that's what Adam is getting at, is that the, the line is kind of grayed right there, um, you know, because it talks about um, like these people like like Lilith. It uses Lilith for right. an example, you know, not not a not a demon, you know, but was given powers of a demon and, and, you know, all those kind of things. So it's almost like a, like a, like a, a strange human demon mix. You know, it, it's, it's really, it's really strange. If, if you're into that, that whole Lilith story, you know, it, it, it's, it's brought up in this, in this uh, Kabbalah. Um, but it's, it's really, I don't know. It's like a big mucky pool of, when you're talking about this and it talks about so much more than this, this is just a very small part, but it it does give you kind of an insight on the belief system that this is not something that just is absolutely out, you know? Yeah. It happened then it could possibly happen now. Right. You know, and it, you know, and like we said, it, it, you know, if you really want to get a good understanding of Kabbalah, you'll, you'll need to spend a long time, researching it and dedicating so, yourself yeah, talking, to it talking to a well-educated rabbi right which is not matt or myself right. um you know we're we are absolutely doing the best we can to call this down into a comprehensive hour show and you know we may we may not hit on some topics that you know about and if that's the case let us know but you know don't get mad at us. Yeah. And for, for any any of our listeners that, you know, may practice Judaism, we apologize in advance for butchering some of these things. Yes. We're doing the best we can. But it's it's too interesting to just overlook. Right. Exactly. So uh, people say that the entry of a Dybbuk into a person is the sign of this person having committed a secret sin, which opened the door for a Dybbuk. So, if if you were said to be possessed by Dybbuk, then the rabbi and everybody would know that you are not living as clean a life as you should have been. You know, you are. And this is this is true for uh, in Catholicism and Christianity and everything. If you are not living a clean life and. Upholding the tenets of this religion, then you are allowing evil into your life. Yeah. Um, and that's basically what that's, that's a, that's a good way to put it. Cause that that's kind of covered by just about every major religion on this planet. Right. If you don't live according to the, the laws or the, the guidelines of your religion, then you're allowing evil, whatever that evil may be to you. Right. You're allowing that evil into your life. Right. And they also say that getting lazy with religious practices um, or doubting any parts of Judaism is something that can leave you open to Dybbuk possession as well. So it all kind of ties in. Um, Dybbuk's are also said to prey upon the weak this is spiritually or physically weak the or the mentally ill um, humans who are suffering from depression, psychosis, or who habitually use mind altering drugs are all believed to be hospitable environments for the Dybbuk. And we've seen this in some of the research that Matt and I have done on, you know, uh, uh, Catholic exorcisms. If you look at that, um, a lot of priests will tell you that a demon or a negative in- entity will possess people who are drug users or alcoholics because it's easier. They're not in their. They have their, an altered conscience. Exactly. Yeah. They're they're not in control of their consciousness fully at all times to be able to fight off the evil. So it, it's the same principle in Judaism for Dybbuk's. Um, now, what what does a Dybbuk do when it takes you over? And and it's not going to be like the movie Ghost with Whoopi Goldberg, you know, where you're making clay 
pots and stuff. It's not at all like that. Um, <laughs> Did Whoopi make the pots? I don't know. It, <laughs> I saw part of that movie years ago. I don't know. I'm talking I, out of my I butt hope, now. I hope you weren't by yourself. I'm not going to admit to anything. <laughs> I mean, this isn't a notebook well, scenario. Well, I might as well go see it. Now, this isn't a notebook scenario where I sat down by myself and cried. I lost five pounds to that movie in all water weight. That's not this. Okay, Just saying. I can't watch the notebook ever again. How did we get to that? Let's get back to Dibbix. So once inside of a person, once it has taken up residency inside, let's say Matt uh, got possessed by Dibbix. Um, once it's taken up residency inside of Matt, the Dybbuk will grow exceedingly wicked and it worsens any pre-existing conditions that the person can have. So Matt's incessant need to poop in my backyard would get worse. <laughs> I couldn't get him out of my backyard because the Dybbuk would worsen this condition. Um, so I just try to make the dog feel. Like <laughs> yeah, it's fine, buddy. Just no, you make, we all do it. You make him feel bad. Trust me. He told me he's he's ashamed um, and it can drive its victim deeper into despair until they succumb to madness. So that's a, a trend you will see through all literature about Dibbix is that its sole purpose is to drive its host to madness. And it does this by increasing any of your negative thoughts or feelings or habits. Um, you know, unlike films where possessions kind of depict two consciousnesses inside of a body, one living next to the other. Um, a dimmick will slowly become the person it was while it was alive. And the host is usually just drugged through. So once you're possessed by a dimmick, you don't have control. You're experiencing it, but you can't control the experience. And the dimmick will take on all of its past life habits. Um, like if it was a heavy drinker or smoker, then the host will become one too. You know, you could have never picked up a cigarette in your life, but if the Dybbuk was a smoker, you would start smoking. You would start drinking. Um, if the Dybbuk, say, died alone, it would make sure that the host isolated itself from family and friends to kind of exist in a familiar environment and drive that person to the same end that it had. Uh, it it will make the host perform a lot of the same sins that the Dybbuk did during its life. So if if it was a heavy sinner and it took you over and you were a you know pious man, you would then sin just like the Dybbuk did. Um, there are a lot of mentions of quote spirit interference in humans through ancient scripture. But a lot of these are just, and, and Matt and I were talking about this beforehand. If you look back at, at ancient scripture of any kind, an, a spirit possession was just like something that happened. You know, they, they just knew that this was going to happen, and so they didn't spend much time on it. It's like, oh, you know, Bill got a pimple. Okay, move on. Now, what else for the day? You know, uh, Bill got possessed. You know, we took care of it. It's fine. You know, so you don't Bill's see. Bill's got problems. Bill's got a lot of problems. <laughs> You'll notice through all of our episodes where Bill is mentioned, that guy's messed up. Yeah, he's terrible. Bill got problems. Um, you know, it's just they're they're real nonchalant about it. Like, it's just a mundane thing. Yeah. Um, so there's not great detail in a lot of the well-known historical accounts. You can find it. It's out there, and we don't have the time to, you know, describe all of them because from 1560 on up, there were several detailed reports in Hebrew and Yiddish on a lot of Dibbicum and the testimonials about, you know, from the Dibbic about themselves. 
that you can go look up. Matt and I are not going to get into it because it would it would take forever. Like in the Old Testament, it describes a spirit attachment in the book of Samuel, and it stated, And it came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul. It was through the soothing music played by David that the spirit was eased out of its attachment to the king. And and that plays an important part. Remember that music that David played. We'll we'll get into that here in a minute. Um, also in the Bible, the book of Kings tells of the prophet Elijah dealing with possession by a dark and manipulative spirit. Elijah was invaded by the spirit of a dead man who wanted to trick the king into going to war. So again, we've got just a quick snippet, you know, and that sounds like something you would want to spend some time on to me. But Dibbuk took over the king, making him want to go to war. Think we need to talk about this. Bill, get over here. Let's discuss this a little bit more. That seems important, you know, but we just move right along. Because it wasn't something that was unheard of. Right. I mean, it just, it happened. It happened all the time. Yeah. I mean, you know. And it's not not something that just happens all the time now. No. Well, it may. We just don't. Well, true. Pay attention. To true, it. but when you're, especially if you're talking about the Old Testament, it really just kind of it does. It just kind of glosses over it. Like, oh well, this was the thing. Oh, he had an ingrown toenail. Oh well, you know, man, that stinks. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, he had a demon. Oh man, I hate it when that happens. Right. You know? <laughs> right. Like, well, okay. Yeah, and a lot of ancient texts are that way because, I mean, it it. It was a big deal to them, but it wasn't abnormal. You know, yeah. it, it wasn't something that let's spend a lot of time talking about because everybody was like, dude, I've heard that. You know, now we're like, holy cow, he's got a demon. Yeah. You know, it, it's just different times. So since we know Matt got uh, possessed by Dybbuk earlier in the episode, Let's talk about how we can get rid of Matt's Dybbuk and get him to stop pooping in my backyard. Yeah, his name is George, and he's... <laughs> he's a jerk. And, you know, he's sick. Is he related <laughs> Is he related to Bill? Maybe. They seem like know. they're related. He keeps asking about it. <laughs> so <laughs> there are as many different ways to exercise a Dybbuk as there are stories about him. Um But the ultimate goal of an exorcism is to release the body of the possessed person and to release the Dybbuk from its wanderings. So it's not just to separate the two. They're trying to help both out to keep the Dybbuk from wandering the earth like it has been and possessing people. So in most stories, a pious man must perform the exorcism. Sometimes he will be assisted by a beneficent spirit or an angel. And in some stories, the ritual must be performed in the presence of a group of 10 Jewish adults, usually all male or at a synagogue or both. Now, often the first step in the exorcism is interviewing the Dybbuk. That's why earlier I talked about there are accounts of a Dybbuk by a Dybbuk because uh, they want to determine why the spirit has not moved on. Um, this information will help the person performing the ritual to convince the Dybbuk to leave. And it's also important to discover the Dybbuk's name. As we've talked about with a lot of other entities, you want to know the Dybbuk's name. Yeah, there's power power in knowing their name. Exactly, because according to Jewish folklore, knowing the name of an otherworldly being allows a knowledgeable person to command it. Yeah. Otherworldly so, being. Those were the words I was hunting for earlier. <laughs> that's good. I like that. Yeah. Otherworldly that, being. What, that's really what we're talking about here. Otherworldly being. You know, the, the you know, the, uh, a rabbi that, that studied this, demons, ghosts, you know, dibbocks would all be otherworldly beings. That's right. why we said it's it's like this big mucky pool of, yeah, of everything being, swimming around in it. Um, in a lot of stories, you know, Dybbuk's are more than happy to share their woes with anyone who will listen, because, you know, if they're 
taking over a, a, a person's body because of what they've got going on, they will want to share it. Um, and, you know, despite us drawing parallels between demons and dibbics, a dibbic is not often considered demonic. So the rabbi will usually try to appeal to its humanity. Um, he will ask the dibbic questions about what it wants from its host and why it's still here because it, it, they're trying to find a peaceful arrangement to remove the dibbic. Um, there's a movie out called The Possession where people get possessed by a dibbic. And in that, it's a very violent exorcism. You know, they're they're forcefully drawing the dibbic out and being real um, ugly about it and everything, and which you see a lot in Catholic exorcisms portrayed as well. But a dibbic exorcism is not like that, according to everything Matt and I found it, it. It's more of a, you know, conversation and talking the Dybbuk out. The whole ceremony is meant to communicate with the spirit and appease it. So it will willingly leave the person's body. Now, after the interview, the steps in exercising a Dybbuk kind of vary greatly from story to story. Um, in some cases, the group that is doing the exorcism will recite Psalms 91 three times while the rabbi blows a shofar or a ram's horn in a specific tone. And this is meant to shatter the body, spiritually speaking, so that the entity can be shaken loose. And that's why I said, remember the music that David played earlier is because it's kind of the same thing. You know, he probably didn't play a tune, but he played a specific tone from a shofar that was supposed to shake the entity loose. Now, according to author Howard Shayes, a combination of adjurations and various props are common. So in one example, the exorcist may hold an empty flask and a white candle. He will recite a formulaic adjuration commanding the spirit to reveal its name if it hasn't done so already, and a second adjuration commands the dibbic to leave the person and fill the flask that he's holding. Once the dibbic has filled the flask, the flask will glow red. So you can see in this example, if the rabbi is removing the dibbic and having them go into an object, you can kind of see where something could become a Dybbuk box. And this is where we'll have Matt pick it up and kind of tell you about the Dybbuk box. Like he said, it's not everything you think it is. It's not as old as you may assume it to be. Right. So the term Dybbuk box was not actually used until it was found in an eBay listing by one Kevin Manis, who was selling an antique wine cabinet, which he purchased at an estate sale in Portland, Oregon. So Manis's listing goes as follows. All of the events that I'm about to set forth in this listing are accurate and may be verified by the winning bidder with copies of the hospital records and sworn affidavits that I am including as part of the sale of the cabinet. During September of 2001, I attended an estate sale in Portland, Oregon. The items liquidated at this sale were from the estate of a woman who had passed away at the age of 103. A granddaughter of the woman told me that her grandmother had been born in Poland, where she grew up, married, raised a family, and lived until she was sent to a Nazi concentration camp during World War II. She was the only member of her family who survived the camp. Her parents, brothers, a sister, husband, and two sons and a daughter were all killed. She survived the camp by escaping with some other prisoners and somehow making her way to Spain where she lived until the end of the war. 
I was told that she acquired the small wine cabinet listed here in Spain, and it was one of only three items that she brought with her when she immigrated to the United States. The other two items were a steamer trunk and a sewing box. I purchased the wine cabinet along with the sewing box and some other furniture at the estate sale. After the sale, I was approached by the woman's granddaughter who said, I see you got the Dybbuk box. She was referring to the wine cabinet. I asked her what a Dybbuk box was, and she told me that when she was growing up, her grandmother always kept the wine cabinet in her sewing room. It was always shut and set in a place that was out of reach. The grandmother always called it the Dybbuk box. When the girl asked her grandmother what was inside, her grandmother spit three times through her fingers and said, a Dybbuk and Kesselim. The grandmother went on to tell the girl that the wine cabinet was never, ever to be opened. Now, Manus goes on to detail the events in his life that occurred after purchasing the wine cabinet. So after bringing the box home, he stored it in the basement of his antique store. Uh, Downstairs was the workshop with the intention of restoring it and giving it to his mother as a gift. (laughs) A terrible gift. (laughs) Great job. You're already getting a bunch of spooky crap. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't even go into the listing where he tries to give it back. Right. And they don't want it. Mm -hmm. And so he says, I don't want my money back. You can keep it. And they're like, no, you bought it. It's yours. Get it out of here. Right. We don't want it. Please to the point take of getting it. angry. Yeah. So go. Take it. Leave. So now let's give it to mom. So give it to mom. Good job, <laughs> jerk. This is a bad idea. Yeah, bad son. Uh, so one day, while away, and this is not long after he got this thing in here. While away from the shop, one of his sales ladies called him in a panic, saying there was an intruder in his workshop smashing up the place and that the iron security gate had been locked and she could not escape. So Manis arrived only to find no intruder, all of the light bulbs in the workshop smashed and the foul odor of cat urine. Great. Mm-hmm. He didn't own a cat. This uh, cat, the cat, cat pee smell is going to come up again and nobody owns a cat. I was going to say that just sounds like a cat that got mad breaking light yeah. bulbs, tearing stuff up. No cats. The sales lady left and never returned to work. Manis opened the box despite the granddaughter's warning. Now, now I got to say, I'd be curious. Oh, yeah, sure. But I'm not going to open this thing. I don't care. I don't care if it's got a piece of chewing gum in it. You say that. You say that. Curiosity, man. Curiosity created the cat urine. Exactly. So... He opened it, and this is what he found. Okay, he found one 1928 U.S. wheat penny. He found one 1925 U.S. wheat penny. One small lock of blonde hair bound with string. One small lock of black-brown hair also bound with string. One small granite statue engraved and gilded with Hebrew letters, which he said translated to shalom. One dried rosebud, one golden wine cup, and one very strange black cast iron candlestick holder with octopus legs. Now, that's not a eclectic collection. I don't right. know what it is. So Manis contacted the family to return these items, but the family said, Look, we told you the first time we didn't want it back. Mm-hmm. It's yours. <laughs> you buy the box, you buy what's in the that's box. That's right. It's yours, you know. That's why, I, you know, I will, I will start telling my dad, hey, you got to quit buying this stuff at uh, estate sales. Right. No more <laughs> antique clocks. There's nope. going to be a Dybbuk That's in That's right. Home. You know, you're going to get a clock. It's got a Dybbuk in there. And, Instead you know. of a bird coming out and cuckooing, a <laughs> Dybbuk will shoot out. So I told you he was going to give this uh, cabinet to his mother. So it was a birthday present from mom. and. On October 31st, about three days after her actual birthday, she came to the shop to go to lunch with Manis. 
He presented the box to her. And within about five minutes, his mother had suffered a stroke, leaving her with partial paralysis and the inability to speak. So now things are kind of getting real. Mm-hmm. Manis gave the cabinet to his sister, who returned it after a week, stating she could not get the doors to stay closed, a problem Manis had not experienced. And he says there wasn't any spring or any kind of mechanism that would cause the doors to pop open. He then gave the box to his brother, who after three days returned it, saying it put out the smell of jasmine flowers. But his wife said it smelled of cat urine. Going to say jasmine, probably not too bad. Right. So one person smelling jasmine, the other one smelling cat pee. And that that's a common thing. If you, I've been doing some research on smells, mm-hmm. um, smells during hauntings and and UFO encounters and stuff. And that's a thing. A smell can be different. Mm-hmm. Two people, two people witnessing the same event, but it's different for each person. So that tells you it may not be an actual smell. It may be the way your it, your brain or senses interpret exactly. what's going on. Exactly. It's manipulating yeah. your senses and right. your brain. Right. So let's see. He gave the cabinet um, then to his girlfriend, who after two days asked him politely to sell it for her. <laughs> this guy sounds like a jerk. He d- well, this thing I mean, he don't want it. Obviously, he keeps giving it away. Yeah. You want it? You want it? Yeah, Look, here, you I gave it, it to mom, and, and she's in the hospital. Yeah. Here, so you I, take I it. Gave it. I gave it to my sister, and she doesn't want it. Yeah. Now my brother says it smells like jasmine, and his wife says it smells like cat pee. Would you like it? Yeah. Here, babe. Wait. Have a have a Dybbuk box that really now, hurt my mom. He's the... You know. now, now, I'm, now, this is in jest, but I'm saying he's the ultimate boyfriend. You know? Right. I'm going to like quadruple re-gift a gift to sure. you <laughs> I, sure I, I i couldn't be bothered with going <laughs> yeah that's not the same as hey babe you want my hoodie it, it, but, you know <laughs> yeah. right you know hey look you know i saw i saw you eyeing this uh this necklace you know i knew you really liked it right you know? this, no it's hey a, here's this here I, Here's a box that's causing a lot of crap to go that's down in my family. <laughs> you take it. I mean, I get it. It's an antique. It's it's kind of cool. But at this point, even even Manis, you know, he even admits at this point. That he's a jerk? He <laughs> <laughs> No, but he's saying, I, I'm not putting two and two together yet. Right. You know, I'm, I'm not making the connection. So. He then sold it to a retired couple who, after three days, left the cabinet at the front door of his shop with a note saying, this has a bad darkness. And, you know, he even admits, I didn't really know what that meant. Are you kidding? Now, now this, I got to get serious. At this point, you've given it to all these people. Nobody wants it. Some bad stuff has happened to your family. And now you've given it, sold it to mm-hmm. some total strangers who don't want their money back. They just say, take they just it. are like, take it Yeah, here. It's yours again with a note that says this has bad darkness. And he says, I didn't quite understand it. I don't know what that means, but here, babe, you want a box? I'm like, you know, I'm like trying man. it again. Okay. This so, guy, man. So after taking the box to his own home. Manny started uh, work put, out. putting some numbers together. He began to have a recurring nightmare of walking with a friend who would turn into an evil hag who preceded,ly who preceded,ly who good, preceded. Good words. Yeah. Proceeded to physically attack him. In Manis's words, proceeded to beat the tar out of me to the point that he says he would wake up with bruises and marks from Jeez. the attack. So Manis would later learn that his sister, brother, sister-in-law, and girlfriend all had had the exact same dream. Hmm. So Manis put the box in his outside storage shed, only to be awoken in the night by the shed smoke alarm. Now, upon investigation... There was no smoke, but again, the strong smell of cat urine 
Now, I have to say, break in real quick and say, he deserves this. <laughs> I mean, maybe Come I'm... Come on, man. Nobody deserves maybe this. Maybe I'm hard... Well, after giving it to all these people and continually just passing it on to somebody else, you know, he deserved to see what they were dealing with. Yeah, I, you know, so if you... 2001, there's probably not... I, I don't remember there being a whole bunch of, you know ghost shows or haunted haunted object shows you know that was that show for a while you know i don't think people that watched mainstream entertainment mysteries with robert stuck really would have had any kind of concept of a of a haunted object right but he was warned number one there's something in there Mm -hmm. and number two don't ever open it and three, all of these people that he gave it to, giving it back and saying this thing's bad. Right. So. This guy. It was at that point after he says he went inside, the cat urine smell followed him in. He sat down and and did some looking into it and decided it's time to get rid of this thing. So he put it on eBay for sale. So, you know, he's going to try to make a buck. Right. You know, or at least get it, get it away from him. Now, here, this thing's called bad juju. Yeah. Please buy it from me. So, so I have this box. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of crap going on with this box, but you want to buy it, right? Oh man. Yeah. So I got this box. And so the box was purchased off of eBay by a Missouri student named, uh, Yosef Nitschke. Now Nitschke a student at Truman State University in Kirksville claimed that the box caused the lights to burn out in his house, bug infestations, and his hair to fall out without any medical explanation at all. Jeez. So he quickly said, hey, this box, it stinks. Yeah. Um, and it's making my hair fall Somebody out. Somebody take it. <laughs> so let's let's get along. But. Didn't one take th- him one as thing long. that Nietzsche did is he he blogged about his experiences with this thing. Mm-hmm. And there was a gentleman that was following these blogs and was very interested in what was going on. So Nietzsche decided he would put the box back on eBay and eventually he sold it to Jason Haxton, who was the gentleman that was following the blog. Now, Jason Haxton the director of the Museum of Osteopathic Medicine in Kirksville, Missouri. Now, like I said, Haxton has been fo- had been following Nietzsche's blogs and the all the events he's described around him owning the cabinet. So what you're saying is he should know better. He should know better. So Haxton, he bought it and he claimed that he subsequently developed strange health problems, including hives, coughing up blood, and quote-unquote head-to-toe welts. Hmm. Isn't that what hives are, though? Well, not really. You know, a hive would be like... uh, I've had hives. Like an allergic reaction. Mm -hmm. Welts would be like somebody just took a towel and snapped you on the rear end coming out of the shower. Oh, I've had that, too. And that swells up right there. Um, A smoke alarm also went off in the room that held the box, but the room contained no smoke whatsoever. Haxton also claims that one night he woke up to see a shadow moving away from him on the wall. So Haxton began to research the box and found the original owner was a woman named Havila. Now Havila and her friends were responsible for trapping the Dybbuk inside the cabinet after holding several seances amongst themselves. Now, I, I tried to find more about this particular sentence, mm-hmm. and I couldn't. I couldn't decide if they were doing the seances to trap the Dybbuk in the box, or if these girls had been doing seances on their own, and they brought one into their midst. Right. And then they had to do something about it. So I can't say for sure either way. But I think it's the latter more than the former. Oh, probably. I have a feeling that this was a situation where some young ladies were messing around with some stuff they shouldn't have been messing around with. And they brought something, you know, 
that made itself known to them, and they were like, uh-oh. Yeah. Crap. We got to do something about this. Right. You know, so so what they did. Be careful with seances, people. Yeah. And I speak from experience. Be really careful with this. You know, this is this is not a fun time party game. You know, no. you you can really get yourself into a sticky situation. Know that what you you're doing. You may not be able to get out of. Right. We're not saying don't do it. Just know what you're doing. Just, yeah. Um. So after reading this, Haxton decided he was going to consult with some rabbis to try to figure out a way to seal the dibbic back in the box. And apparently he was successful. He took the freshly sealed box and hid it at a secret location, which he would not reveal. Now, Haxton's experience with the box, his stories from, uh, from Josef Nitschke, and the description of all the problems that Kevin Mannis had um, were all put into a book that Haxton wrote and released in 2008 and 2011 called The Dybbuk Box. Mm-hmm. He later donated the box to Zach Bagans of Ghost Adventures to display in his museum in Las Vegas. Right. So, and that's where it resides today. Right. And as you may know, just a little over a week ago, Zach Bagans promoted a live television event to air on Halloween of 2018 where he would open the box yet again. Mm-hmm. But with a lot of pomp and circumstance, decided against opening the cabinet. Well, you know, probably a good call on his part. I would say so. And trust me, I, I'm not like the big, I, I'm not a big rah-rah Gozak Bagans fan. But, you know, if he's done anything really intelligent in his life, that was probably it. Probably so. Not going through. Now, you know, I watched the live show. I didn't watch it live, but I watched it after the fact. Adam said he watched it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was like a big old. We, would, we have a term for what it's called, and we can't say it. Well, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you, my granddad had a, a term from the Air Force that he used to used to say, and I didn't know what it meant until I got older, but he would say it was a Charlie Foxtrot. <laughs> So if if anybody out there knows what a Charlie Foxtrot is, that's what this live event yeah, was. Exactly. And boy was it ever. But the the best thing that came out of it is that they left that thing sealed. Now, it's a matter of whether or not you believe in all this stuff that Adam and I have gone over tonight. Number one, do you, do you believe in in Dibbit? You know, do do you do you buy into the fact that these Otherworldly entities mm-hmm. exist, have existed for centuries, and still exist today. Right. And do you believe that you could actually trap one of these entities inside an object? I don't necessarily think it would have to be a box. No. You know, I mean, we've talked about, I mean, we talked about Robert the doll, mm-hmm. you know, you know, something, something is attached to that doll. Yeah, you know, and so it, it wouldn't have to be a box. So I I don't necessarily think that it's something that's trapped inside. I think that to me, it's probably more of a metaphorical opening that just sure doesn't release it into the world because it was still associated with a box even once the box has been opened. Right. It, it's more of a a possession of an object and. Like you said, the metaphorical opening of like you would go through a ritual to open gates to allow right. stuff in. Right. Uh, it would be the same thing. You would you would metaphorically open the box yeah. because I don't think two little wooden doors are going to hold back a dibbuk. Right. So if you if you know anybody that is a witch or calls themselves a witch, what they would tell you is that there's a binding spell mm-hmm. that keeps it attached to the box. It keeps it from being able to roam free. And like I said, it's it's a metaphorical opening of the box, but you know, you know, touching it would would awaken it. Sure. And 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 bring about 
whatever it could do to you physically. And there was a story and I had posted this story in the group maybe a month or so ago. You know, Oh, Oh, uh, Zach is, is buddies with post Malone. Mm -hmm. And so invited, I was trying to think of his name a minute ago. Yeah. And he invited post Malone into the museum and if, if you if you read the account, they were just kind of hanging out, having a few beers, and, and you know, Bagans is like, hey, you want to come look at the Dybbuk box? And so they go in there, and apparently, uh, and there's a video of this, apparently, Zach touches it, and then Post Malone touches Zach on the shoulder, and then, like, jumps back and, like, leaves the room. But after that, Post Malone was, he he was in a plane crash where the, I think the landing gear malfunctioned. Mm-hmm. He was in a high speed crash in his car and his house was robbed by, you know, armed robbers mm-hmm. or at least attempted to be robbed by armed robbers. They're like, what kind of string of bad luck is that? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and it all happened after he did this. So now there's this. You know, you can Google Post Malone is cursed. Dude, you just search Dybbuk box and all you get is, this, is uh, Post Malone and Adam is right. Zach Bagans. You've Adam got, is right. You have got to dive deep to find right. what we found. Yeah. The first page of the Google search results is not going to get you anything but those stories. Right. Lots of videos yeah. you can watch in Zach. And, and but, you know, we may talk about it, but if, if the source is TMZ. Yeah, right. <laughs> Take it with a grain of salt. Right. You know, but this, this did happen and it, you know, it was interesting, you know, Adam and I did not decide to do this. In fact, I didn't, when we decided we were going to do this episode, I didn't realize that the ghost adventure show was going to be live on Halloween. We decided to do this, you know, a month ago Yeah, and it just, it just came time to record. So I guess it was fortuitous for us right? that, that this happened. So it was kind of fresh. In everybody's mind. Yeah, and we something else I saw that seemed kind of weird is there was an article that was posted about there's a new trend uh, on the internet, and you know the internet is great for for trends, um, the cinnamon challenge, all that kind of you know yeah. whatever stupid thing you can do to get views. <laughs> you know, it's like how can I nearly kill myself and get right. views? It's like watching those people try to drink a whole bottle of Patron and exactly. then vomit. Now, just as a sidebar, to those of you listening, Matt and I may do stupid stuff, but we're not going to do stupid stuff just to get more of y'all to listen. That's right. I'm sorry. Um, and, and I'm certainly not going to do stupid stuff that's going to, could possibly kill me. Exactly. <laughs> um, but one of the trends now that's popping up is YouTubers are going to the, quote, dark web and buying haunted objects, Dybbuk boxes. Yeah. Um, Dark web. Hell, you don't even really got to go that far. No, but they're they're getting these things, and they're doing a, a YouTube video of them opening it for the first time. <laughs> right. So they will get a haunted um, jewelry box that's supposed to have a demon trapped inside, and they will open this on their YouTube video, and it's all for views. But to me, if you are going to believe that objects can be haunted and possess a demon, you're an idiot for opening these things, first of all, without any way of getting it put back or any protection or anything like that. You know, you may end up in trouble. Yeah. Or you jerk, you're putting the rest of us in danger. Yeah. You know, if it's something supposedly as dangerous as you're talking about, right. And you're releasing this thing way to go internet. So yeah, I watched one where the, the guy he's, he's got this box and it looks old and it looks like it has crayons melted all over it. Um, that was mine. But (laughs) yeah, but he explains that, that he well, number one that he he practices witchcraft and that they use these um these candles where that they i don't know what the word i guess they say an incantation over these candles and they put their energy into the candle so that the wax that they use 
it's not just the wax. It's the incantation with the wax that's keeping it bound. Right. Infuse so, the wax with and, the and power. And so he goes on to say, you know, um, you know, if if this is what happened, I would know what to do if I was to be, be cursed. Mm-hmm. I'm like, really? So you say. So you say. But in the video, as he's talking about it, the the door moves behind him. You hear this thumping on his, he's, he's acting like there's something thumping on the roof and he's hearing some kind of voice. All stuff. I'm like, okay, okay. This, you know, pure entertainment sure. right here. It's all, all I'm taking this in for. And so he, you know, he has to pry open this box, you know, because it's sealed with wax. He's talking about the energy in the room and everything. Well, then he said something that really bothered me. He's like, I had to go check on my baby. <laughs> and I was like, Look, brother, if, you know, believe this, don't believe it. I don't care. But if there's a chance that you're going to release something out of this box and you got a baby and, and it's just you and, and you're you're dumb butt sitting there doing this fine. Mm-hmm. But if you know, don't do something like this and put your family or especially a child. Right. You know, a, 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 you know, a child can't say. Dad, this sounds like a really bad idea. I don't want to be a part of it. They're exactly. Just, they're just along for the ride. Don't do that to them. Exactly. You know? <laughs> exactly. You I mean, it's jerk. terrible. Not, but again, you know, I, I, was bad talk, as I was talking to somebody over the weekend and they said, yeah, watching that, it's like watching somebody play Russian roulette on YouTube. And I was like, I think it's more like watching somebody play the, uh, the bean boozled game where you might eat a booger flavored jelly yeah. bean. I, it's I, not quite that severe. Yeah, I played that with Michael. Then <laughs> it's bad. It's Being bad. I had, is bad. I had a vomit flavored one. Yep. And, I, and I thought I was gonna. Yep. Was I, I, I had that. And the booger wasn't bad compared to the vomit or the rotten egg. Oh, oh yeah. The rotten egg. Ugh. But anyway, I think you see where we're going with this. We don't know. And, and, and Adam and I certainly with the, with the history that Adam presented about Dibix, um, I don't think that it's something that you can just say, I, I don't believe in that at all. You know, you may not believe in it and you can say it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Of course, it doesn't mean that it does. But I, I think there's. There's something to all of the the history of this, whether you're talking about, you know, the Bible or the Torah or the Talmud or you know, in, in Kabbalah, there's, there's enough history that, you know, a Jewish rabbi would be able to tell you, you know, this is what a Dybbuk was or is, and this is, this is how it was been presented for centuries. Mm -hmm. And the idea that 70 years ago, somebody was able to trap one or bind one to an object may not be completely out there. Now, uh, Kevin Manis says that he has hospital records that everything he's telling is the truth. Now, whether he can absolutely tie those hospital records, medical records, to events surrounding the box, that I do not know. He seems to say that he can. And I know that the two guys that bought the box from him or the, the guy that bought it from him. And then, then Haxton who bought it from Nitschke, you know, they experienced very similar problems. Mm -hmm. So I I think that gives a little bit of credence to at least this case, something was going on, whether it was a Dybbuk or it was cursed or something Something. else. Um, so, I mean, it it really does kind of make you think, is, you know, like I said, Adam and I have talked about haunted objects before. Yep. It, but, it's, it's something that happens. Yeah. Whether you want to believe it or not there, uh, whether it is a curse, it's a spirit or it's just the energy that somebody has put on an object saying that it is cursed that then causes someone else to feel that way. It's really not something to play around with. Yeah. So do you believe in the Dybbuk box? Do you believe in the Dybbuk? Let us know. That's right. And as always, please uh, go to iTunes and and rate and review Graveyard Tales. It helps people find us. Uh, it brings people into the graveyard. And please 
go and check out our sponsors. Yes, please. Um, that's how they know that you're out there listening and that we're reaching you, and we really appreciate it. And you get to experience some really cool stuff. Oh, so, yeah. Um, go and follow us on Facebook. Get in our Facebook group. We are we have a blast in there. And, you know, and even though I may not comment a lot, I read every single post. And so if you when you see Amanda post, just understand that that's me posting, too. <laughs> <laughs> but as we say, every single show, go to our Web page, www.graveyardpodcast.com. It's there. You can listen to the show. You can uh, follow links to buy our merchandise and you can become a patron. And thank you so much to everyone uh, who has donated money to the show. It keeps Adam and I going. And just like Adam mentioned at the top of the show, we got more Patreon episodes coming. Oh, yeah. Coming and coming and coming. And I think you're going to really, really enjoy what we've got coming up. So um, if you haven't pulled the trigger, go ahead and do it. So until next time, we'll save you a seat in the graveyard. See you soon. 